COVID's over, according <laughs> to the government. Well, there's one way of putting it. Doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah, the uh, COVID restrictions have been dismantled. That's it. They are gone, burger. They are no more. So no more isolation if you've got no more specified number of days of isolation. Mm. Obviously, don't go to work if you're sick. Because it was if you had COVID, then there was a mandatory seven-day isolation period. Remember when it was like two weeks? Yeah, wild, eh? It's 1,200 days, isn't it? Since we went into lockdown. Gee, what an incredible period. Crazy. Well, I mean, how do you feel about it? Does it feel kind of end of an era to you? Or Because I I feel like it, this sounds, this, maybe this sounds bad, but I, I feel like I'm mentally already, I've been there for a while. Yeah, totally. I'm sure those in the health profession and those still catching COVID and ending up in hospital will probably tell you otherwise. Mm. It's not as intense as it once was. Yeah, and I guess it won't be great news for people from sort of vulnerable or immunocompromised um, communities and so on and so forth, but um, this is what's happened mm-hmm. and uh, it does sort of bookend a pretty remarkable time in, in history and one that we'll all remember, I think. But, um, well, with that news... <laughs> Out there. Kia ora, this is Newsville. I'm Emil. And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about. The catastrophic Hawaiian fires are the deadliest seen in the US in more than a century. We're crossing to Honolulu to learn about the overwhelming scale and scope of the damage. Also, it's somehow managed to fly under the radar. But there is actually a space race going on right now. So who is going to win the 2023 Sprint to the Moon? Spain take on Sweden tonight in Auckland for the first of two semi-finals. We've got predictions aplenty. Plus some of the best polling questions we've ever laid eyes on. We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable. Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support. The wildfires that hit the Hawaii island of Maui are now officially the deadliest in the US in more than a century. Rescue workers are still searching. The devastated town of Lahaina, the former capital of the Kingdom of Hawaii, for bodies with a death toll already sitting near 100. With people still missing, questions are now being asked about why there was no warning of the approaching threat. Diane Arco is news anchor at KITV for the ABC affiliate in Honolulu, and she joins us now. Diane, aloha. Aloha. We know the death toll here is horrendous, but do we know how many people are still missing or unaccounted for? Uh, We don't. I mean, people are talking on the streets about thinking it's going to be a high number. The governor has said, brace yourself, or we're warning you there's going to be more of a death toll coming in in the days to come. So it's hard to imagine what that would be. But it's devastating to look at the pictures that this town that's been there my whole life um, is just now wiped off the map. And we understand a lot of the damage hasn't yet been surveyed by authorities. That's correct. The governor, the mayor, federal emergency management agency and other like federal officials were out surveying the historic Lahaina town that you guys were saying was the capital uh, way back when in the 1800s. They did look through the area. But in terms of the responders looking to do body recovery, they said they had only been able to look through 3% of that area, which is one of the reasons why they're telling people, please don't go in here, because fatalities just occurred there and they don't entirely know where all the remains are. That and the fact that there's biohazards. So it's it looks like a war zone. 
Diane, you're based on Honolulu, which wasn't directly affected by these fires, but I understand that you have family on Maui. Have you spoken to them? What, what have they told you about their experiences? I haven't spoken to them. They are okay. My native Hawaiian roots do come from uh, Keokea, which is in upcountry, which is one of the smaller fires that um, is actually still burning right now as well. And so I think that if you have lived here any amount of time, Hawaii is a pretty small community and everybody is affected. It's not like six degrees of separation. It's two degrees of separation, you know? Like I, I have so many people who are telling me like, oh, my friend Jen lost, her parents lost their house in the fire. And there's just so much of that going on. It seems unbelievable that so many people have died. What sort of warnings were given? The sirens did not go off. And so we have done stories about people criticizing the government for that. The government has said that sirens are not like an evacuation warning. They're just a notice for you that there's an emergency happening. Go look for further information. Go turn on your radio and things like that. The county put out a emergency evacuation notice. The fire had been burning for several hours already. I myself had interviewed someone who said she was really frustrated. She self-evacuated because she was related to a fireman fighting the fires. And they told her they were running out of water. So she just chose to leave like at five o'clock. And she said, I think the alert came out at eight. And then she said by 10, her, her house was gone. <laughs> I'm still just shocked and blown away that a hurricane would cause this devastating fire. But, you know, as you were saying, it's like a mix of things. So there was low humidity. We've we've been in a drought. There's a lot of, like, um, dry grass because there's empty cane field around historic Lahaina town. So it just kind of made for the perfect uh, tempest in a teacup situation. The governor put out a message, and he was mentioning that the fire burned about one mile a minute. I mean, can you even imagine that? It's a terrible, terrible situation, and um, we do really hold you in our minds. Um, Diane, Arko, uh, mahalo for your time today. Really appreciate it. We, of course, are going to be talking about tonight's semi-final between Spain and Sweden, and we want to know who you think is going to take the W. Vote on Insta. We'll have a poll up. Search Newsable NZ. We want to be the next slash new Kelly Tolton's penguin. Let the headlines be. Newsable listeners choose semi-final winner. Imogen, very exciting interstellar news. There is a new race to get on the moon. A new space race, more specifically the Lunar South Pole. There are two spacecraft, one built by India and the other one by Russia, are trying to be the first to land their lunar vehicles on the moon. I didn't even know India was in the space race, let alone that currently there were two nations trying to get there. Yeah, India and space, you know, you might not automatically associate the two, but indeed it is the case. So uh, it seems crazy, but it's even more intriguing. These two countries took different routes up there. The Indian lander uh, Chandrayaan-3 blasted off in July. It slingshotted around the Earth a few times, and it's spending time orbiting the moon to prepare for the landing, whereas the Russian lander Luna-25 has... It's really only just left Earth, but it is taking a much faster and more direct route to the moon, and it could reach the surface 10 days 
after taking off, so in about a week's time. Now, the Russian space agency, Roscosmos, has made no secret of the fact that they want to be the first to make a soft landing at the moon's South Pole, the space race of 2023. Tell me more about the South Pole of the moon, the lunar South Pole. What's so special about that? Why are they trying to get there? Wonderful question. Thank you. Uh, you should do this for a living. So both the missions are looking for water, ice, and potentially useful minerals. The recent analysis of information sent back from the moon has pinpointed these big pockets of water, ice, and that has got scientists in a tiz because hydrogen in the water could potentially be extracted to make rocket fuel at a future moon base, uh, and the water might even be drinkable after it's treated as well. So potentially big implications here. So I had no idea that there was a current space race going on. Are there any other countries that are going to be entering, uh, blasting into outer space, basically? Have I missed? Is there a laundry list of other countries? This sort of so-called race between Lunar 25 and Chandrayaan 3, it's kind of heralding the mark of a new era of lunar exploration. So we've got nations like the US, of course, but also Israel, South Korea and China, and also private companies, of course, mm. are also targeting the moon with uh, spacecraft and forthcoming crewed missions as well. So really exciting area here, uh, it's fair to say. Going to have to add space updates into my daily news reading. Completely missed it. We're talking political polls a little bit later on, and not for the reasons you may think. This is much more exciting than the usual poll coverage. But if you are enjoying what you're hearing, chuck us a like and a follow on your favourite podcast platform. It really helps other people to find us as well. If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. Each week we showcase one of our excellent pieces of journalism, telling important or entertaining stories from the world of crime, sport, history, culture and more. You'll also get to hear from the journalists themselves about how they uncovered the story and how it came to life. So for your weekly dose of long-form journalism, beautifully read, subscribe to The Long Read From Stuff wherever you get your podcasts. Can you believe it? It is FIFA World Cup semi-finals time after those incredible quarterfinal matches. Spain are taking on Sweden tonight, 8pm at Eden Park. It's the last game that will be hosted here in Aotearoa. It's the first time Spain's ever made it to a semi-final, but it's Sweden's fourth time making it this far. So what can we expect? Who will be booking their ticket to Sunday night's finals? Guys, Christina Eddy is here to talk us through it all. Nice to have you back, Christina. Nice to be back. It's been an incredible World Cup, hasn't it? I think we're in for another treat tonight at Eden Park, so I can't wait. Tell us more about that on a scale of 1 to 10. How excited are you? I've actually had a few people message me if, if they've been watching sort of the work we've been putting out on Sky Sport and they're like, I think you're excited for this World Cup, so maybe I come across extremely excited. <laughs> maybe I'll go with a scale of 10. Um, but no, I think overall it's just a, it's been fantastic just to see how much we've actually gotten behind this World Cup. I think it's exceeded um, my expectations and a lot of people's expectations. Man, Christina, there were some unbelievable games in that quarterfinal round. Um, but Spain's late extra time winner over the Netherlands, that's got to be one of the moments of the tournament so far. Spain are just looking so solid. And yeah. the fact that they're into a semi-final for the first time is almost a little bit unbelievable. You know, they came out in their first couple of pool games 
And, you know, I know myself and a lot of people and pundits were going, you know, they're the ones to beat at this World Cup. And they're still showing that they're the ones to beat at this World Cup and they should realistically be in a final and probably lifting that trophy for the very first time. So that's exciting. Um, I think Sweden have really got a big test facing them at the semi-final tonight because, you know, they looked really solid for about 20 to 30 minutes in that first half um, the other day. But Spain are probably looking like the favourites for this one um, well and truly. The other semi on Wednesday, Aussie versus England, Australia's run in this tournament again, absolutely wild. Do you think that they can go through again? Can they get the win? That I think I aged about 10 years in that penalty <laughs> shootout. And it is no surprise that, you know, it is the longest in men and women's football World Cup history. That penalty shootout, that's crazy. I think it was like 20 goals or something in total that they that they took. And I mean, even just seeing the videos in there after, you've got the West Coast Eagles game taking on Fremantle and AFL, and they're so AFL crazy in the state of WA. They don't stop for nothing. They're pretty much, they they put the penalties up on the, the big screen at that stadium. <laughs> Watch that. But that's incredible scenes in Australia and worldwide on just what this World Cup's doing. And the Matildas know that this is their one shot, and they've already done such an amazing job. And to be fair, four months ago, they beat England 2-0. So England are out for redemption in the semi-final already. The Matildas know that they have beaten them recently and they can do so again. While England are technically the favourites for this match, I actually put my money on the Matildas here because I think, you know, with that crowd behind them and knowing what they've got on the line, they've got everything to play for tomorrow night. So that's a massive semi-final and I can't wait for it. I am throwing my professional objectivity to the side and an honorary Aussie for the day when they are playing there. Are you are you a better professional than me? Are you keeping your emotions in check or are you throwing your lot into? No, absolutely not. Nice. Not, nice. In, not in these knockout stages. Not when you don't have like New Zealand in the mix or anything like that. I think one thing you can celebrate doesn't sound so cheesy is but you can celebrate football and how many people are enjoying this occasion. It'd be so cool for the sport to see a final with a host country like Australia and the, that stadium just going nuts for their country, as they probably say, take on Spain, which is a huge test. And, you know, there could be a really awesome fairy tale moment. This time, maybe we could just get behind our Aussie neighbours <laughs> for once, <laughs> seeing as our football ferns um, aren't in the mix. Christina Eddy from Sky, a joy as always, and have fun tonight. I will. Enjoy it, guys. Thanks. Remember, you can catch these final few FIFA Women's World Cup matches on Sky and also on Stuff's online tournament hub. And guess what? There's more. We only just dropped an entire episode dedicated to all things penalty shootouts. We had a great chat with former footy fern Anna Green. And who knows? Are we going to see more this week? Make sure you give it a listen. You'll find it in our feed. I think you're conflating a whole bunch of issues. You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, I, rising child abuse no, numbers. You can manipulate crime statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about that gotcha journalism. Hang into the National Party's no, attack line there. That, that, I think that it would be a resignation offence if I didn't deliver tax reduction. It, it, yeah, we're, I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing iffy in there. That sits with you perfectly fine. That's what, we're, that's what we're focused on. Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts. We talk a fair bit about political polls on the pod, don't we? We love a poll. We love a poll. But today, I want to talk about a poll for a slightly different reason. Mm -hmm. In fact, I don't even care about the results of this particular poll. Couldn't care less. (laughs) So this is a poll out of the UK. Results only just came out. 
Um, it's for the Mail on Sunday. And for background, the race for the Prime Minister over there is going to be between Rishi Sunak for the Tories or the right and Keir Starmer for Labour slash the left. Uh-huh. Anyway, what caught my eye was a handful of questions in this particular poll. It's the right track, Ron Trag, preferred Prime Minister, that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, when I say... <laughs> I wish this poll was done in New Zealand. I cannot tell you uh, how passionately I feel about this. Okay, Okay, so the heading is, do you imagine that Sunak or Starmer would be better for each of the following? Joining you for a night out. (laughs) Having a Sunday lunch with. Going on a long car journey. And then my my favourite... Feeding your pet while on holiday. These are great questions. These are important questions. I want New Zealand to use these questions. This is great. This is Pulse of the Nation. Oh, I'm thinking now about which of New Zealand's MPs I would trust to feed my cat. And there are <sighs> there are quite a few. There are quite a few, yeah. I'm not going to name any names here because... Um, it, no, no, no. I don't think either of them would be much fun on a night out, to be honest. What would you talk about? Right, let me try and find more for you. Uh, telling a joke. Oh, yeah. Hey, on that note, do you have a go-to joke? If someone were to say to you, tell me a joke, do you have a go-to joke that you can just wheel out? I'm just funny naturally, yeah. I don't need need to whip out a pre-written joke. I can just make stuff up on the fly. Oh, actually, I I have a joke. Yeah, okay. Just from when I was a kid. You want to tell it it now? Why did the elephant paint his testicles red? Why did the elephant paint his testicles red? To hide in the cherry tree. What's the loudest noise in the jungle? What's the loudest noise? <laughs> a giraffe eating cherries. That's usable for today. I'm Emil Donovan. And I am comedian Imogen Wells. Have a great day. Tell that joke to as many of your friends as you can and let me know the results. <laughs> if you like this podcast, please support our work visit stuff.co.nz support.